My name is Matt Brown. New York Giants! What happened? How to lose to Philadelphia Eagles? Giants! You got pulled out by seven points! Oh, Fortnite, you in a minute. See ya. And let's start the show. A lot of room now. Odin up over the middle. Oh, what a catch by Kittle. Are you kidding? George Kittle. going on everybody the world is a better place because you are here to join us my name is matt brown and i am the host of the productive conversations podcast it is tuesday january 24th 2023 and we have quite the nfl podcast ahead for each and every single one of you we're gonna recap the divisional round and it was a really really good weekend maybe not for my giants maybe not for me um, it was a good weekend actually for me besides uh what took place between 8 p.m and 11 30 but but on saturday night but we're okay we still watched great football and we still have a lot of ground to cover and great content to make and broadcast to you the greatest fans and listeners in the world so before we go into that before we preview the conference championships the afc championship is set and the nfc for this sunday i just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the productive conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and youtube and don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out on the world of social media or on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdCavaPod, or on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So after a divisional weekend that featured a blowout and an embarrassing blowout, and you will hear my opinions on that throughout the show, it featured a upset that people kind of saw coming anyways. Featured an upset that almost happened, but I guess cooler teams prevailed. And then we saw a defensive battle to close it all off on Sunday night. We are going through each and every single one of the divisional round games with the productive NFL crew in Desmond Price, Brian McKee, and Alex Ranelio and Alex Young. And then we are going to preview the conference championships. Conference championship Sunday is this Sunday, one of my favorite days of the year. Three o'clock, we have San Francisco 49ers going down no sorry going cross country to philadelphia to take on the eagles in what should match up to be one hell of a football game the nfc championship three o'clock on sunday and then at 6 30 after that we have a rematch of last year's afc championship the cincinnati Bengals and the kansas city chiefs are gonna go at it one more time to see who's going to represent the afc in phoenix for super bowl 57 so lots to do lots to talk about we really have a great show for each and every single one of you so let's review what happened this past weekend and let's look ahead to this sunday and see who is going to wind up playing in the super bowl once and for all alex desmond brian and alex it's your guys turn once again let's talk some playoff football here we go this is a very productive conversation 
Divisional weekend is in the books. And it was very, very interesting. We had one game that was almost an upset. One was a complete disaster. One was an upset we expected, but was kind of uh, underwhelming. And then one was a great defensive battle. Going through each and every single one of those games, and we're going to look ahead to the intense AFC and NFC championships ahead. Brian McKee and Alex Ranelio and Desmond Price is here. Alex Young will be here as soon as possible. So with that, let's hop right into it right away. On Saturday afternoon, we saw the Jacksonville Jaguars go over to Arrowhead Stadium to face the Kansas City Chiefs. At what one point was somewhat of a back-and-forth game. We saw the little engine that could in the Jacksonville Jaguars trying to make a push, but ultimately fell short, ending their very, very, very impressive season. The Chiefs move on, and they're playing in their fifth straight AFC Championship at home. The Jaguars have an exit, but not an exit that they should be ashamed of. So with this game where we saw Trevor Lawrence try to make a push, we saw the defense of the Chiefs have a good game and held them down. When we just saw the Chiefs play hard-nosed football, and again, the better team won ultimately. So with this divisional matchup, tell me, guys, what did you get out of it most of all? Whether it's the uh, how close the Jaguars made it. We did have people in this chat say that they were going to pull off the upset, and there was a point where they may have could have. But again, it's just tough when you go up against the Chiefs. And then the other big thing to take out of this game is that Patrick Mahomes does sprain his ankle. Comes back in the game, makes a push, and still has a win. But, of course, you got to put that in the back of your mind moving forward for the rest of the season. But, again, I'll throw it to the four. How do we feel about Jacksonville versus Kansas City to start off the divisional weekend? Um, I think that the defense um, for Kansas City really stepped it up here. Um, I think throughout the season, uh, me included, um, I really didn't believe in their defense. I thought there was holes throughout it and they really didn't play sound, concise football. I thought uh, Jacksonville was a better defensive team here, um, and Kansas City proved it um, to be the opposite. They really uh, held uh, Jacksonville, which is a high-potent offense in scoring, to you know only 20 points, which is very good. Had a, had a turnover in that interception and forced a lot of punts, um, especially in a game where Patrick Mahomes is uh, injured and limited. You know, your defense really needs to, stay, uh, to step up, and they came through, so kudos to them. And when it comes to, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, they're ahead of schedule. They're doing good. Could they have sold this game with a limited Pat Mahomes? Absolutely. Um, I think they could have stole even before he got hurt. Um, it just, you know, it just didn't go their way. You know, sometimes just, you know, the offense stalls out and that happens. Uh, but, you know, the Chiefs, they've been here before. They, you know, it's like their fifth AFC title game in a row. So they have that pedigree um, and they have that experience. This is where, you know, it comes in handy. So, uh, you know, great game by both teams, and uh, I look forward to the future of both of them. Yeah, we weren't really sure what to expect from the Chiefs' defense. It's been the Achilles' heel for this team for a long time, and they really stepped up, uh, especially like after Patrick Mahomes got like injured. I felt like, but honestly, throughout the entire game, you know, they were putting pressure on Trevor Lawrence. 
one out of every three plays they were blitzing him. So they were constantly bringing pressure into his face. Uh, a lot of blitzes from like from the secondary. I mean, he never felt comfortable back there. Just not a typical Chiefs defense performance. And they definitely needed it on a day where Patrick Mahomes, you know, actually is playing through a high ankle sprain, which, you know, shout outs to him. And the one drive which where Henny had to come in and they were able to go down the field and get some points, which that's mm-hmm. I think is a really underrated point in the game. So yeah, all in all, did not see that coming. Thought it'd be a high scoring shootout, but was definitely not the case. And I think it gives me a little bit of hope for the Chiefs going into their matchup next week where they're really going to need their defense to step up against the Bengals. Yeah, you guys hit on a lot of great points. I, I want to echo all those first and foremost. I thought that really there was a lot of questions coming into this game with uh, Chiefs defense and what they could do with Spagnola in terms of uh, putting pressure on Trevor Lawrence. And, and they came out to play. They, they kept this game under wraps. Um, they kept it in control even when Henny had to come in and, and um, sub out for, you know, from Mahomes with the ankle. So, um, yeah, it was just a great, complete game. I just um, – yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really excited about you know next week's matchup with uh, with with Cincinnati. I think that you know that's something that we'll talk about later in the episode. But I think Jacksonville in particular too. I think that this is a team that really showed up and showed out and had a really great uh, late season push that um, put them over the top. And they're really riding high with Peterson, and they're definitely ahead of schedule. And it looks like they have a free runway with a lot of the teams down in the rest of the division. So I, I like. I like the future of both uh, both teams from what I see, um, you know, begrudgingly with Kansas City, of course, but with Jacksonville, um, there's a lot of promise, and a lot of hope, you know, especially with a couple pieces here and there. Um, I thought that a big, you know, a, a big sticking point for me was just, um, you know, just the, just the efficiency on offense uh, for both teams. I thought that, you know, there was a couple of critical plays on defense, but I think both teams were over 500, um, you know, on third down efficiency and uh, really Kansas City dominated time possession. I didn't think that they would be able to run the ball, but they at least broke even with Jacksonville. That was really another part of their Achilles heel on the offense, but that allowed them to extend drives where um, they could have otherwise punted. So I thought that it was really, you know, great game strategy and it, and it came down to second half adjustments, which KC prevailed. So it was a great game. Shouts to Andy Reid for making this possible, and it shows why he's going to the Hall of Fame. And joining us is Alex Young. Alex, good to see you. And I'd like to hear, what did you get out of this Jacksonville and Kansas City game, especially after Mahomes' injury in the second quarter? Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm nervous for Kansas City going forward. Just seeing someone hand the ball off, hopping on one ankle is never a good sign. Um, The only other concern I had, I was thinking about this on on the way home, was that uh, I know that football players are tough, but at some moment you got to let these guys get to the tunnel. Uh, and they had to just pull Mahomes. I know he was kind of cursing at his trainer and Andy Reid that he was fine. Um, but you, you have to step in at that point and just say, hey, let's just get you real quick. We'll get you right back out. We have Henny for a reason. Um, that was only concerning thing because, God forbid, and it was weird that they let him back out there because if he got hit again and it could have been the ankle injury way worse and wh- who knows what. Um but that was really the big takeaway for me, just seeing how Mahomes, I guess, progresses this week. Um, you know, Henny did what he had to do. He got a score uh, on his drive. Um, but, you know, just what Alex was saying, just looking at Jacksonville, I think the future is so bright. I mean, we know how good Kansas City is. Um, they've been dominating, you know, the AFC for these last few years. And I was just impressed that Jacksonville uh, came in um, in a tough environment. 
and kept it a close game throughout. Um, they had their chances to win, but, you know, great teams ended up, you know, pretty much winning in the end against what Kansas City did. Um, you know, but props to Jacksonville. Their season uh, was incredible. Uh, massive turnaround that I think they're going to be running their division for the next five or six years. They have their quarterback in place. They have the defensive leader with their first overall pick and Walker. I think he's going to be a stud and that's not just a Georgia bias, but just seeing what he did in the second half of the season. Um, but, you know, uh, just like I said, I think Jacksonville's future is insanely bright. Um, I'm excited to see what they do going forward. Um, and Kansas City, yeah, I mean, just looking into this AFC title game, it really, we're all, I think, going to be looking at how Mahomes looks. I mean, to see what he did, it was great that he willed his team on uh, to win that game. Um, but it's a high ankle sprain, and and that looked pretty severe. Um, I thought it was worse initially. I thought he might have messed up his knee pretty bad. Uh, so he's pretty lucky to get away with a high ankle sprain. Um, but, you know, we've seen that take players out for multiple weeks, and you can't do that here. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what Mahomes does. The Chiefs are keeping on rolling like they normally do. I'm excited for this AFC title game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but I think just the key takeaway is that we got to see what happens with Mahomes this week because if he's not 100%, I think this whole dynamic of this Chiefs team is completely different. Right. And I think we pretty much said everything that needed to be said with Jacksonville, and there's more in-depth analysis as Kansas City when we preview the conference championship. But ultimately, uh, Jacksonville's future is bright. They have their quarterback. They have their coach. They have their weak division. They have legitimate weapons to branch off of. They don't. They also have some play a mixture of both young players. They don't have to pay right away, and a couple of veterans that can lead them to the promised land later on. But ultimately, hats off to Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars, exceeding expectations. And now we'll have a lot of people jump on that bandwagon once and for all. All right, let's get to it. Let's talk about Saturday night where we had the Philadelphia Eagles absolutely take on and embarrass the New York Giants, defeating the Giants 38-7. to And, well, let us take it all in and let's talk about it. So I'll start off this monologue. I said a lot of very, very abrupt and blunt things about the team and the fan base that I still stand by and stick to. I was completely wrong. But, of course, if you think logically, Eagles had most things going their way, and that was, there was legitimate points made against the Eagles getting this victory today. But even with all the momentum going the Giants' way, they did not show up to play. After the Eagles scored on the very first drive, we literally saw it last week. I thought it was going to be okay. Then you see one sack and another, and then they just couldn't move the ball. And everything went right for the Eagles, especially seeing all their players healthy and Jalen Hurts returning to form, and then the Giants going back to a whole core reality. And it was very, very, very ugly. And I don't want to hear shit about how this was a good season until next week. And it was. And there's a lot of silver linings to take. But the way that this team came out to play and get truly embarrassed with all the momentum they had is an abomination. And again, we can talk about all the great things when we recap, when we look into the offseason ahead. And there's a lot of great things to take over. But for now, 
we are not going to play this Disney cliche bullshit because that was absolutely atrocious. Saquon barely was out there. Daniel Jones looked like his old Daniel self. We saw nothing contributed um, from our offensive line, especially Evan Neal, who we pick in the first round, getting absolutely manhandled. It was embarrassing. It sucked. And when I see our defensive backs simply fall down on the ground trying to keep up with these receivers, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It's over. I'm, I've been taking the comments online. I've been hearing it from all everyone else, and rightfully so. But you know what? At the end of the day, we'll still keep our heads up high. We will remember this bad taste in our mouth and we'll take that momentum coming in next season because if there is one silver lining to take, just watch out for the New York football giants because seriously, there's going to be some hell to pay. Whether we have Saquon or not, and again, that conversation about where he's going, we can discuss on another day. But for now, we just saw the New York Giants play like shit and... There's nothing else really to uh, discuss, but let's get more in depth with that. So I'll first throw it to the de- to the Eagles fan himself who watched this and definitely had a different view than me and Alex probably had. So how do you feel about your team after Saturday night? Wow, what a privilege! You're actually, letting me go first for a change. Oh, <laughs> usually, it's like, oh, you know, Giants, 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 Giants. All right, all right, Eagles. Hey, gotta get in enough. here for like, get in here for a minute, but you know. <laughs> but all right, um, wasn't expecting that to be honest with you. Um, relatively simple game plan, but I think it kind of just, um, I think kind of just highlights things that we were talking about all season. You know, where it was. The Giants are more or less ahead of schedule, but they're not there yet. And so I think that kind of really manifested in that game. You know, like you beat a team in the Vikings who just weren't that good, despite what their record had to say. And so you left that game kind of thinking that maybe it was a better situation than it actually was. But really, you just beat a really overrated Minnesota team. But this Giants team was always a year or two away. You just don't have the pieces yet. Like, your receiving core is average. You don't have a true number one, let alone two number ones. The Eagles have two number ones. You have a great defensive, like, lineman in in Thibodeau, is how you pronounce his name? Yep. But we have, like, six of those guys. So, I mean, like, it's just you don't have the same level of talent as, like, the Eagles do right now, the Bengals do right now, the Chiefs do right now, the even the Bills or the 49ers. So, I mean, like, it, it wasn't realistic to think that, like, this was a championship team. So, the fact that you got the division round, I think, is great for the Giants. I think you're ahead of schedule. And the Eagles, I think, just showed that they just had a deeper roster than you did, which... To be fair, I would hope so because we were the number one overall seed. So that's kind of what I was hoping to see when we came into this game. Uh, But wasn't sure if we were going to get that or not. Thankfully, we did. Kind of won on both lines of scrimmage. Offensive line was able to kind of dominate your defensive line. Our defensive line was able to dominate your offensive line. I think that was the entire story of the game. You could never get Daniel Jones comfortable throwing. Saquon Barkley couldn't get comfortable running. And yeah, on the defensive side, we were able to gash you for almost 300 yards rushing. I mean, at a certain point, there's not that much scheme to that. That's just getting your ass kicked. So, I mean, I think you just got to just go to the well and get some better defensive linemen uh, to kind of address that issue because there really wasn't that much kind of like confusion to what was happening there. Uh, All in all, uh, as an Eagles fan, it was uh, it was a good night, but, you know, I really had the best night when I was able to kind of just drop some some memes in the in the group chat, you know, after, you know, Matt had to 
you know, go ahead and make that real earlier in the week about a uh, degenerate Eagles fans and mm-hmm. bad memories and, you know, all that stuff. So I had to make sure to save a few for you at the end there, Matt. But, you know, um, we'll talk more about the Eagles 49ers later in the later in the episode here. But I'm kind of nervous about that one. You're right. And um, it turned out to be the bad, horrible memory for me and the Giants fans. <laughs> Talk about poetic justice, but again, I will still stick by that. And um, you make valid, valid points, especially with the depth of the roster. And a lot of my frustrations is from the gameplay of the Giants and just how bad they looked. And you could literally make an argument our twos played better than our ones when we played in the final week of the season there against mostly the same Eagles team. That's just just frustrating. I don't know. I, I really thought, especially that report about the pipes bursting out of nowhere. I was like, come on, at least put up a fight if that's going to happen. And it just didn't. And you just really felt like the team gave up. And that's what's frustrating. But, um, you know, you move on. But for now, we have to uh, accept the bad so that when the good happens, it's so much sweeter. And as I hand it off to Alex to give his fair share of how he felt about Saturday night. Um, yeah, uh, just very disappointed. Um, I'm happy, you know, it was Saturday night and not uh, <laughs> yesterday. So that, that I makes had a, a day, to, day to kind of relax and look back. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, yeah, it's just at the end of the day, it's just it's disappointing. We can talk about the positives later in another podcast. Um, you know, I, I know early on I, w- I was being pessimistic, but I could just read the game and not getting it on that fourth and eight, and then the Eagles immediately scoring. I knew the game was a wrap, and I understand Dable is an aggressive coach, and I love that about him. Um, but it's the playoffs against the number one ranked team in the, in in the NFC. Pump the brakes. You don't have to be as aggressive. You're not, you know, down a bunch where you need the points. That was the first thing that bothered me. Um, and, and, you know, more or less just the, how far away we are. And I know we had, like I said, and I'm not going to dive in, we had such a great season and a positive season. And now you get to this moment and you see how far away you are. Mm. And it that's that's the part that is a little nerve wracking, but I'm going to remain positive because I think we have our GM and I think we have our head coach. And and I think that's a positive where if we had our previous regimes, you're just thinking you're stuck. And um, just a talent discrepancy was there. And props to the Eagles for exposing everything about this Giants team that were a few years away. Um, and we just had a really, really good year and the future is bright in the Giants, but we're not a Super Bowl contending team like the Eagles are. Um, they outmatched us. They outcoached us. They did literally everything, but that's because of talent they had. Um, I'm, and I'm not going to point it fingers at individual people um, for this loss. You know, I'm happy that Dable took it upon himself in the postgame to put the blame on himself. I love that from a coach to not try to point fingers at a position group or whatever Everyone got outcoached. Everyone got outmanned. Everyone got destroyed. Props to the Eagles for what they did. Um, they deserve to be in the NFC Championship game. Um, but as a Giants fan, it's just disappointing because if we had the right pieces in place and if this team wasn't a disaster that had a really, really good season, who would have known? We could have probably battled this Eagles team, but we don't have a one A receiver. Eagles have two. 
We have rookie on the offensive line getting exposed by a bunch of veterans on the Eagles defensive line who almost broke the record for sacks in the season this year. Um, you know, we have two great defensive players on the defensive line and a young rookie in Thibodeau and Dexter Lawrence, right? But there's weaknesses there. Weaknesses in the secondary. Um, and that was the thing that the Eagles exposed, that we we can be positive and think the future's bright, and I think it really is. But in the moment, we're still far away. Um, and what, you know, uh, Dable and, and Shane said in their exit presser today uh, was pretty much that, that they're going to do whatever to construct this team. They know they have good pieces in place, but they're still years away. They're still far away. And, you know, that's why I think was the most disappointing thing for me was that we had a great year, but then you're seeing just an absolute beatdown, and you're just like, wow, the Eagles are going to run this division. The Cowboys can run this division. Um, and we might be stuck with the commanders. Who knows? You know, but you don't know. But there's still a bunch <laughs> of pieces away. It was a disappointing loss. I felt the Giants were going to come in and get a, give, a, give a fight, but it ended up being the first game I met life, which is what I warned you guys I was afraid was going to happen. Was that was going to be the first game I met life from the earlier this year where the Eagles just absolutely destroyed the Giants and they did it again. And now they're in the NFC title game because of that. So, uh, you know, I'll sit here and reflect and, and and look at the positive, and we'll talk about that in another, another moment. But right now, it's it's disappointing. It's heartbreaking. Uh, you hate to lose, especially in a beatdown. Um, but the Eagles deserve to be there because they have the talent. They have the roster. They have the coach to get them there. And, you know, I hate to say it, but good luck to them against the 49ers. I hope they lose still, but they deserve to be there. And that's what, you know, the number one seed in AMC do. They beat down on the bad teams and they took advantage of a team that was completely outmatched. You know, I'm a, you know, Matt said he didn't want any Disney related fluff, but, you know, I'm an avid, you know, Disney plus consumer. So I might jump back in at some point yeah. and provide the fluff anyway, you know, despite what, what, you oh, know, yeah. the, our fearless leader mm-hmm. said, you know, was the content <laughs> for this episode, but uh, I'll, uh, I'll pump the brakes for a second here. You're good. You're good. Mm-hmm. I'll, uh, Wait. I'll make one comment. Oh, you still sorry, going but, my bed. Yeah. Did what, what did Desmond No, go? no, go ahead, Brian. Let's go. Oh, I thought you, I thought you, I thought you, where's it? Where's it? Yeah. Yeah, oh, no, oh, I'll come. Okay. I'll jump back in later. I'll jump back in. <laughs> we'll oh, let him wrap okay, it up. Okay. We'll let Brian, we'll let, we'll let yeah. Desmond wrap it up with his Disney comet fluff after Brian and Alex. Yeah, <laughs> stay tuned to Fantasia. All right, um, Alex, great, great point right there. The way I think about it is, for first off, don't worry about Dallas. They're not going to take this division ever. So, like, don't mm-hmm. worry about that. Um, second <laughs> off, um, the way I, the way I think about it is this: ready? You have a limited quarterback with a streaky running back with an with a mediocre receiver core with a scotch tape defensive line and offensive line. And you won nine games and you won a, a wild card playoff game and you made it to the divisional round. If that isn't a testament to coaching, I don't know what is. So right there in itself, you took a bad team and you won nine games and you went to the divisional round, give another off season, give a full draft under this regime. Again, you know, development, you know, you look, Stefan Diggs looks very unhappy after that loss right there. You might be able to pull someone. You might be able to pull someone out right there quick offer the house. Because guess what? You know, 1,400, 1,400-yard seasons are awesome for the Bills. But if they don't miss, if they don't make the playoffs, who cares? Throw a first-round pick at them, and I bet they'll bite. Because every day, you, you know, you live as an NFL player, you age, and that means you could get hurt or you could decline. And they'll take a rookie for in the first round at receiver, probably than Stefan Diggs at some points, okay? 
Um, you have promise. You know, you got shellacked, shellacked by the Eagles' run game. You know, I've never seen that before in a playoff game, 268 yards, besides when the Cowboys lost in the divisional round to the Rams, what was like two seasons ago with C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley, when absolute three years ago when they went off for 100 each. Um, you got exposed. Your defense has been a liability the entire season. You know, your offense plays off of your defense. Your defense has a good game. Your offense can keep in check and game manage, and that's what Daniel Jones does. So you now know this is the best thing that could be for the Giants, in my opinion, because let's be honest, if you made it to the NFC title game, you probably weren't getting past the 49ers. And if you made it to the Super Bowl, the AFC, the AFC is going to beat any NFC team this year. That's just how this is the way the AFC is stacked. So it doesn't matter. So now you have a little bit better of a draft pick and you can learn from your mistakes. So I'll take it from that. It's all about growth. This is, this game was, this game was borrowed time and you learn, you learned your weaknesses in this game. And that's the best thing that could have happened. Yeah. So being the, the fifth wheel in this conversation, um, I, you know, I can't really, extend too much on what you guys have said, but I, I think the moral of the, the situation is it's an ugly way to, to lose for the Giants, um, you know, up against an arch nemesis and a rival, but uh, all in all, you have to, you have to kind of take that as hard as it may be out of the equation and just see the forest and the trees and realize that like, this was um, a tremendous, tremendous step in the right direction for this organization, this franchise. I thought they were on a slow a slow decline prior to uh, Dable acquiring the head coaching job. And I think that he just turned, um, he, he put, he put so much promise back into the organization with the way he was able to bring this team into the playoffs with 10 wins. And I think that, um, you know, looking forward ahead, like I think Daniel Jones at least bought himself another season. Um, he played out of his mind through the, this first playoff run and, um, the reality is there is something to build on here, and there's a lot of promise on the defense. Um, you mentioned Thibodeau, uh, Thibodeau Alex. I, I think he was a guy I fell in love with as someone who's not invested in the NFC East, um, but he was one of the players that really had caught my eye off the TV the past few weeks, and um, there's just a lot to build on. There's a lot of promise. And on the flip side with Philly, I mean, they were – kind of the best team out of the NFC predictably after a few weeks. I know Brian and I were kind of harping on it after week three, but they really were out in full force and they kind of picked up where they left off. And I think that Jalen Hurts, you know, the questions that will arise in the next segment with San Fran is going to be just a matter of playing through the air, but they dominated what they do best, which is both sides of the line of scrimmage and pushing piles and getting run yards and extending drives. So, um, you know, you know, hats off to them because they were the bigger, better team. And, um, you know, if you're a Giants fan, you got to be, you have to be optimistic despite how much this hurt. So look your wounds, go in the off season and just learn from it. And then one more comment on Philly. Like, you know, you fixed your mistake in this game with that was your lack of a run defense in the last few games. Like you guys held Saquon to 61 yards. Like that's, that's, you know, you could say, Oh, 61 yards. Like, you know, usually you want to keep a store player under 50 yards but that's like that's pretty good if you think about good it enough. you know yeah you only had one really big gash play for like 20 yards and then he yeah so you know, you know yeah 
that happened. So you take that away, that's 41 yards, you know, consistent, you know, churning the ball. So, you know, they really fixed that. And you know what? Kudos to them. Kudos to them. You know, Ndamukong Sue is going to be that piece in the rotation on the defensive line for the Eagles. You guys picked him up, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Ndamukong Sue, like that's going to be the guy that you're going to have to rely on with Fletcher Cox and Jason Hargrave to stuff the run. There's big bodies in there, especially against a team like 49ers coming up. You're going to need that. Yeah, the, the last thing I want to say here, I, I want to talk to the whole Northeastern block, okay? Uh, Philadelphia has a toxic fan culture, which is also true for Boston fans. It's also definitely true for New York fans. I want to talk to my New York people for a second here. Uh, I think everyone gets so enamored with championships. You think that stuff happens overnight, but it, it never does. You know, I, I think people get like so so spoiled sometimes they just they want success instantly but like championships i think are built over the course of many seasons and so you know matt doesn't want any fluff but i'm giving you the fluff anyway i don't care so i think that what you really need here is just to really kind of take this in as actually a good thing i think you got the you got the foundation in place the the building blocks are in place you got to build up from here because i think the giants really are on the ascend and you got, i think you got to look at this season that way as like an ascension because if you if you think about it being like oh well you know we gotta we gotta be a championship team right now i think that's what i think that's how we run great players out of these cities out of boston out of new york out of philadelphia they can't handle it because the fan bases are too unrealistic be a little more realistic be a little more humble be a little more grounded understand this is a process not like a light switch thing and the giants will be back real quick i know we run on that but to, to his point real quick that's why i love joe shane so much is because he wasn't aggressive when all, or not me, but a couple of Giants, majority of Giants fans said they had to be aggressive with the trade deadline. And Shane was like, nah, 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 nah. I'm going to keep our assets because this is a few-year process. And he did say that again pretty much in his wrap-up today. It was like, this is not an overnight thing, and we're not one, we weren't one player away. That's why I wasn't aggressive. So that's why I'm happy we have Shane. Yeah. Um, I appreciate everyone's candor and honesty in this. As we wrap this up and focus on the Sunday games, um, like I said, still really disappointed in what happened. Of course, we're not going to be depressed and go doom and gloom and carry this over. I'll literally forget about this we're tomorrow. Not gonna be Cowboys fans that You're not going to punch TVs? Yeah, no punching TVs. Not punching TVs. Listen, depression and wine drinking on a podcast is only for Cowboy fans. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, anyone who breaks their TV Never. for content solely for content is an idiot. I really hope it's worth the nine hundred dollars. Someone used their truck to run over their TV. Oh, I saw that was bad. Yeah, like how does that? On, uh, how does the team? How does that affect the team? I don't know. Listen, listen. When we talk about the game, I'll explain the frustration. <laughs> yeah, okay. Brian. All right, we'll explain the game. But I, I wanted to, Brian, if you were willing to break your TV over the game when we talk about it, that's what I want yeah. to know. I don't forget like that this. Boy. My TV, my stu- my TV is still on my wall. Right. <laughs> talk about yeah. inflated expectations, though. Let's go. The New York Giants have a lot of work to do, and that is fine. And that is totally fine. Just don't forget what happened, and we will remember the good times on another day. Just for now, let's just. Remember what happened and don't forget it because it'll be a lot better after that. So moving on, we have on Sunday afternoon, the Cincinnati Bengals took on the Buffalo Bills. And this was an upset, technically an upset because they were the underdogs that, what's the word I'm looking for? 
I mean, it was it was an expected upset. The five and a half point spread was a little high, and well, on a very very cold, wintry, snowy Sunday afternoon in Orchard Park in January, the Bills did not step up to play. The Bengals outplayed them. Joe Burrow outplayed Josh Allen. And as we're talking about people and teams getting exposed, I think Josh Allen really showed he, he's not one of the best quarterbacks in his league. If he's top five, he's number four or five. Joe Burrow proved after this weekend that he yes. is arguably number one, if not two, number two, if not number one, and the best quarterbacks in the game. Just everything worked on the run game. Joe Mixon had a hell of a game. Um we had Jamar Chase run around and being crazy. Uh, T. Higgins, for the few touches he had, was making yards. The Bengals' defense was shutting down the Bills all game long. Uh, special teams were making a great impact. Remember, don't take the foot out of football. Uh, the Bills really miss Von Miller. The Bills really miss what Josh Allen was supposed to be. And for a team that uh, that has gone through a lot, obviously from DeMar Hamlin to weather issues to the beginning of the season, the tragedy that took place at a uh, retailer in, in Buffalo. I, it, it was a whole mess. It was a mess for this team. And you, you somewhat feel for them that they couldn't step up, but it just shows, wow, there's, you know, we talked about the giants, you know, really getting exposed and I have a lot to reflect on. We were so crazy about how this was the team that was going to win the Super Bowl um, and the Bills, and they don't even make it to the conference championship for the second year in a row. And they can't blame overtime rules this time. They had everything going for them. And I don't, I really don't think the weather was as big of a factor. It clearly wasn't for Cincy and it shouldn't be for Buffalo. Who's in, who's used to those conditions. And they, end the season on arguably an even more disgusting note for Bills fans. Now, I'm not a Bills fan, but I mean, for everything you went to, that that really was a Disney script written for itself and um, yeah, just didn't happen. So, Bills, so again, we'll, we, we can really focus on the Bengals when we talk about the conference championship, but for the Bills, the Bills guys, what happened? I yeah, mean, so- <laughs> You go, Desmond. You go first. You know what? Let's just let's just use the eye test for a change. You know, we can talk. We'll we'll talk stats. We always talk stats. Let's just talk about the eye test for a second. Josh Allen did not look comfortable a single moment in that game. He just he never did. Like he was constantly looking stressed. And when you're thinking about winning a championship, you cannot, you know. Th- you cannot, you know, uh, ignore your competition. Like, you know, they say that like, oh, well, the offense plays this defense. And so you're not really playing against another quarterback, but you are, you you really are. You are to an extent that you have to be able to compete with their level of productivity. And when you compare the Josh Allen to his contemporaries, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, when they get stressed on the field, they're still able to compete at a high level. When Josh Allen gets stressed in the field, he shrinks and he has been shrinking for a while now. In these close, tight games, his talent level seems to drop. And I think it's because he's second guessing himself. He doesn't seem to figure out how to like read the field as well. Yeah. He goes away from his number one receiver again and again. And again. it makes no sense. Like he consistently throws to Gabe Davis, who, if you look at receptions per targets, like that percentage is significantly lower than Stefan Diggs, but he consistently goes 
like targets Gabe Davis in these big time moments. It, it, none of it makes any sense whatsoever. If it's not Josh Allen, then it's that offensive coordinator. I would fire that offensive coordinator immediately and bring somebody else in there. The Bills actually took a step back this year. You know, with uh, what's the offensive coordinator's name, Brian? Ken Dorsey. With him at, at the helm this year, they took a, a huge step back. I think you got to get him out of town because I don't think that this current construction of offense for Josh Allen has a chance of competing with the Bengals and the Chiefs going forward. And Desmond, what's a shock is Ken Dorsey is like known as a quarterback friendly, like coach and offensive coordinator and like is sort of like becoming a guru in the NFL at the QB position just because of his pedigree at Miami and in the league. Like he was always a very cerebral minded quarterback. And that's what I don't understand what's going on with Josh Allen. I think it started with, um, you know, losing his offensive coordinator this offseason and getting Dorsey. You know, it, it's known it takes a little bit of time to learn a new OC. Um, I think that, you know, the hype of the Bills, just because of the star power they have, made us overlook a lot of things. Like, they really have a mediocre offensive line. They don't have a good run game. So I can rely on that to set up passes and set up play action. You know, Stephon Diggs is Stephon Diggs, but for some reason, Josh Allen has now gone away from him and gone to Gabriel Davis. It might just be because of the big play ability. Gabe Davis is one of the best big play guys in the NFL. We know this. Like, he has ridiculous games, and then he's really quiet. But in a game like this, it's not about the big shot. It's about just converting the first downs and the third downs and just running the clock out and getting the win. And for some reason, every week, it just seems like Josh Allen has to legitimize his existence in the NFL. He has to prove it every single week that he's a top two quarterback in the NFL. He's constantly chasing the shadow of a Pat Mahomes, a Justin Herbert, a Joe Burrow. And I think because of this, um, we're seeing this downfall in Buffalo already. I also think a lot of people, you know, we talk about, injuries we talk about you know the health of demar hamlin we don't talk about the whole left by demar hamlin demar hamlin in 15 games had 91 tackles 63 of those 63 of those solo tackles that's a huge and he was a run guy he came down and he hit and he hit the hole hard and you look at this game joe mixon with 100 plus yards you know you're missing demar hamlin and if you were thinking about it he was filling in for you know jordan poyer and micah hyde the entire season. Now, yep. once those guys got healthy for the offseason and in the playoffs, I forget if Micah Hyde played this game or not. Um, I don't know if he, he did, out. but he was out. Yeah, you know, now you'd be missing your top safety. You're missing the backup that fell, filled in at one could say a Pro Bowl caliber level in DeMar Hamlin. And then you're down to your third string safety who's trying to roll up in the box and stop the run. It gets very difficult. Um, so, you know, they're definitely behind. Um, the eight ball here. And in my opinion, I honestly like at this point, what else do you like? Could you do except change up the scheme here or there? You know, are they going to invest in the offensive line? Are they going to sp- I don't know how they are with cap right now. You know, you might have yeah. to get some, you might have to, you might have to, you know, trade away some assets right now to, for, to get a better holistic approach for this team. Cause right now, Current situations, not working. And I'll make this last pr- uh, comment on the Bills. Out of the eight teams in the divisional round, only one head coach was a defensive head coach, and that was the Bills. And what team upset me the most? The defensive-minded head coach. And that has a lot to say, in my opinion, on how this league is an offensive-controlled league 
and you need an offensive head coach in order to seek succeed in this NFL these days, because every defense, no matter how good you are, can get 30 piece any day, the way these offensive coordinators scheme these days. And yeah, then the Bengals. Yeah. Yeah. I can see what you're saying. Yeah. I just wanted to jump in and make one quick point yeah, before, I, before I forgot it. One of the things that was driving me crazy was the scheme though, yesterday, uh, because Time and time again, and you see this in basketball anymore, right? People are playing the spacing mentality. And why are they doing that? Because they realize that it's better for the offense as a whole. The defense can't collapse, you know, if everything's so spread out. You were constantly seeing on the field time and time again that if you were looking at the camera, there were no Bills receivers in the frame. And why was that? It was because they were all running these deep routes. Like every mm-hmm. receiver was running like 10 yards down the field. You had no one underneath. How is Josh Allen supposed to be even making some of these throws? So I, I put that on, on Dorsey there, like for having these no. route combinations where you constantly are having everyone running deep routes. No one's underneath. It just jams everyone into the, into the middle center of the field. Doesn't make any sense. That's just bad coaching. I agree with you completely. I think a big issue of the Bills offense is actually an asset, and that is Josh Allen's athleticism because play is designed like that, right? You have four verticals, and you have all the receivers dumped out, go deep, right? Now you have cornerbacks that are 30, 20 yards off the ball. Now you're hoping that Josh Allen can make one D lineman miss, and you could get a run for 25, 30 yards because, you know, that's what they rely on for the run game. You know what I mean? Singletary and James Cook, besides those good games where they play bad rush defenses, they only really get three, four yards a carry, and then you rely on Josh Allen to get a 15-yard, 20-yard run there. So, like, I think an issue for them is that they'd have no run game. So sometimes in their passing game, they have to, they have to you know, call passing plays in order to scramble and get rushing yards. And I think that's a bit I've noticed watching these Bills games. Majority of their a majority of their running yard, rushing yards are from pass plays that are just broken down, and that's going to be a continued problem for them. And I don't even want to talk about the Bengals. My team, my opinion, they're the best, the most complete team in football at the moment, and I think they're they're going to go to the Super Bowl. So I might even you know Joe Cool is Joe Cool, you know yeah save the that for the uh, save that for the conference championship yeah. breakdown. Um, well, yeah, nothing to really say with them. Yeah, James Conner didn't exactly turn into a stud rookie running back. It's not too late for him, but um, I think they wanted some more out of that, as you said. And Devin Singletary wasn't the one. Yeah, I don't want to belay the points too much. I want to definitely save my conversation first for Cincinnati because I was like the number one bandwagon the whole season on them being the best in the AFC. But just quickly with Buffalo, I – yeah, it just looked like there was a bug in that locker room post Thanksgiving, and we all talked about it. Just something was something was askew, it was off. Um, Josh Allen, I think, got inverted a little bit this season. He definitely regressed with Dable exiting uh, the facilities, and I think that um, it's it's very easy and simplified to you know put this on Ken Dorsey, you know, picking up where they left off. But I think honestly, I think Josh Allen needs needs to eat sixty percent of this blame because um, he's been the constant through line. He's had the full um the full organization support since he got drafted they started working the offense around him over the years and scheming you know through his lens and i think that um the defense may have been subpar but you know they had all the elements in their favor for this game i mean they had the snowy sunday afternoon um they were talking you know a bunch of shit all week about how they were predetermined to be you know playing kansas city on a neutral field at down in atlanta so i think that really just you know fueled Cincinnati to kind of prevail 
Um, and they got distracted and they got caught up in the emotions of things. And, um, there's going to be a lot of, um, sec, you know, there's going to be a lot of things to discuss and talk about in the off season. And it's just, it's just kind of a shame because, um, there was just so, there was just so much riding on this team all year. And, you know, they were my preseason prediction for the AFC. So, um, you know, props to Cincy and we'll, we'll get around to talking to them soon. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, and one common theme here, theme is the fact that um this game is so mental it Mm -hmm. really is and when you just see josh allen holding the ball a little too long not throwing to his trusted receivers that could get him into sticky situations not making the right decisions such as that uh it shows and it makes you question what does he really have at the end of the day? And I'm talking about what we are seeing for the public eye week after week, especially as this season, as, as um, Alex made a great point since Thanksgiving, I can't go. I can't tell you that Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks. Again, if we're doing top five and we have him as the fifth one by default, because of what he accomplished beforehand, He's lucky in that sense, but lately he just doesn't have the championship pedigree that a great quarterback should have. And again, it leads to another disgusting early playoff exit. Matt, going off of that, one quick comment. I think we have to stop going off of quarterbacks in the NFL, especially on what they have done and then what have they done for me now. Because so many times we rank quarterbacks on their past success and their accomplishments, and every season truly is a new season in the NFL with quarterbacks. It's constantly changing. It's a constant carousel. These players are completely different and facing different situations every single week they go out. I think it has a lot to say about the flexibility of defensive coordinators in this league ability and to pressure and force quarterbacks to change their agendas and the play calls thoughts of offensive coordinators. So, you know, we really, what has Josh Allen really done for us recently, except, you know, get once hurt, you know, become a turnover machine, very indecisive. Well, at the same time, there's that adage, you can't win in this league without a quarterback. And how come there are players in the past who've won multiple championships down the line, those who have have won only one, yada, 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 getting those championships? I think you do have to put a lot of responsibility on the quarterback, especially in this league throughout history where it matters the most. So... There's a reason why Joe Burrow's in his second straight conference championship. There's a reason why Mahomes is in his fifth. They are the quarterbacks that make the right plays, that make the right decisions, that don't let the big moment get to them. And the other ones who are left behind, whether it's me who's been so apologetic for Aaron Rodgers, but he hasn't stepped up when it matters the most, and that's a fair contradiction against my what I felt, whether it's, again, we've talked about Josh Allen, whether it's, uh, Peyton Manning, who t- did win his two games, when it matter the most, but he definitely should have won more. You have to take advantage of the opportunity you're in, especially if you're a quarterback in the NFL. And there's a reason why we can separate the very good to the great. And we're seeing two great quarterbacks battle it out next week because of that reason. Uh, this Sunday in the AFC, and then um, we'll see we uh, two up the comers with Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy in their first conference championships and again shouts to Brock Purdy he's undefeated seven and no and uh and um again that's why uh, the quarterback matters the most 
So, moving on. We have the... What happened? What happened? On Sunday night, we had the San Francisco 49ers take on the Dallas Cowboys in what was a defensive battle. It was fun to watch if you didn't have a dog in the fight, but we did have somebody who... um Really wanted things to turn the other way. And I can't say, I can't um, change what happened, but, um, you know, whether it, you know, whether it's um, San Francisco scoring early, then the Cowboys get a touchdown, and then Brett Maher's, um, well, we're talking about players who need to step up in the moment. He has a blocked kick. A blocked extra point, and um, even though it totally looked like it was going to miss, and then San Francisco just seemed like they ran out, ran full circle after that. Despite Dallas's defense really keeping it in there, controlling Brock Purdy, but then he uh, had a great second half, and it led to a great victory for San Francisco. So, Brian, Cowboys didn't win. We'll start with that. And um, just give all that energy out there on what happened to the Dallas Cowboys having another ugly divisional exit. No matter if they play the 49ers, the Packers, the Giants in the past, how did this happen again? Yeah, so, you know, you all know I've been a realistic Cowboys fan the entire season. I shit on them the entire year. I said that they're nothing. This is all fool's gold. I don't believe in it. There's limitations. Dak Prescott's terrible. There's no cornerback outside Trayvon Diggs, and even Trayvon Diggs is a suspect. Besides CeeDee Lamb, we don't get separation. We have a mediocre offensive line. Zeke Elliott's 50 years old. And they beat Tampa. And I became that Cowboy fan that had hope again. And what did they do? They broke my heart. Um, in my opinion, this is the worst Cowboy loss in the, the different divisional round I've ever witnessed. You know, you could say the Des Bryant catch was, but in my opinion, we would have lost that game anyway because Aaron Rodgers with three minutes on the clock would have beat us. The Jared Cook catch, our defense played terrible that game. We should, had no reason why, no reason to win that game. The Rams lost. C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley had clinics at the run game. We didn't deserve to win that game. This was the first game I ever felt that we genuinely should have won this game. A team that is putting up more than 30 points per game in the San Francisco 49ers with Brock Purdy under the helm was held to 19 points. And most of those points were off of turnovers by the Dallas offense that put the 49ers offense in good field position. We take away a lucky George Kittle catch where he uses his face mask to catch the ball, to bounce it off and rebound it into his hands for like a 30-yard catch for them to then, I think they scored a touchdown off that play, I believe, or was it a field goal? Wherever it was, they put points off of that. This was the first time in my entire life that I felt we had a capable defense after decades uh, years, I would say not decades, of watching Tony Romo with a great offense get completely decimated in the playoffs because of a lackluster defense. And we finally have that defense. We hold the team to 19 points. And we are second in the league in points per game. 
and we have scored 12 points. We paid a quarterback 40 plus million dollars a year. He's an abomination to society at this point at the quarterback position. He's thrown 15, 16 interceptions in like 14 games. He has in the season had a game that was, yeah, for the league. And it's an embarrass. It's embarrassing. At the end of the day, you know, this Cowboy team had such promise if they just knew how to, like, it's just, it's crazy. As a Cowboy fan, it's crazy. We're either great on offense and we have nothing together on defense, or it's the direct reverse. We have everything on defense and the offense is good but can't click. And this is another example. I don't know what to do here. We're in a very difficult situation now. In my opinion, we need a draft offensive line. We need to look in later rounds to draft a possible quarterback. Dak Prescott is now in the Kirk Cousins territory <laughs> of quarterbacks where he's a game manager that can win me playoff games. He has the same record as Tony Romo in a 15-year season now in playoff games, two and four. And Romo has no defenses, no defenses. He willed those two wins. And you could say, oh, the Seattle game, he botched the field goal, whatever. He had mistakes in those teams. Don't get me wrong in those four losses. But in these games that Dak Prescott has now played at the quarterback position for the Dallas Cowboys in his six playoff appearances, I can look at all of them and say he is not the guy. Oh, and I now don't have forget. Tony Pollard. I was going to say saying? the Tony Pollard injury, too, was a yeah. moment of killer. Tony Pollard broke his fibula. He's out three oh, months. We have no run game outside of him. Zeke Elliott is archaic at the running back position. I would take <laughs> Boston Scott over him in a heartbeat as a, as, a, as, a, as a backup. And our offensive line is old. And our defense could only do so much. I'm proud of my defense to only allow 19 points to a team that scores almost double that in games. And that is a true testament to that their determination and their discipline. And it's a damn shame that we just couldn't have competent quarterback play in this game because this we easily should be in the NFC Championship right now. And that's not being a Bars Cowboy fan. That's the simple fact. We don't turn the ball over twice. Those, those are either field goals or touchdowns. And if that's 10 points, you know, we're winning 22 to 19 and winning that game. So you could say everyone could shit on the Cowboy fan, but it's very simple. You can't turn the ball off and t- turn the ball over in playoff games. And that's what Dak Prescott did, and that is why it's he has, he's he's on the clock now. Like how you know the Texans have the number one pick, and um, on the the Bears have the number one pick, and they're on the clock. Dak Prescott's time in Dallas is now ticking down because he's a liability on the field. Yeah, I guess Zeke Zeke really is kind of just there. Zeke Zeke is going to be you know they have cap tied to him, they have cap tied to Dak, and they're limited now. They have only, you know, they're gonna have to pay CD Lamb. They're gonna have to pay Trayvon Diggs. They're gonna have to pay Micah Parsons eventually. They're gonna have to probably re-sign Zach Martin at some point. You know, what are you gonna do with Tyron Smith? Tyler Smith is playing great. You need offensive line help. Dalton Schultz is a free agent. It's only so many franchise tags you could go around. This team is about to take such a downfall. Like I wouldn't be shocked if they win more than five. I would be shocked if they win more more than five games next season. Just based off of who they have to pay, the schedule next season, and the actual impact of this playoff game will set this franchise back for another three years. Man, man, that's just sad. 
Brian really I, makes it hard to be an Eagles fan, you know, because you want to come in here, you want to dogpile the Cowboys, you know, you want to just, you know, say all the things. And he just, he takes all the fun out of it, you know? He's the Cowboys fan that hates the Cowboys. That's what I we know. call him. He's not, no. See, yeah, that's, that's, that's what we call Brian. You are you used hate, to Cowboys fans. No, you're used to Cowboys fans that are going to say we're going to win the Super Bowl every year. And you know what? I tell all those people that say they, they, they're going to win the Super Bowl year. You've never played football before. Or you have no idea when you did play football to understand football. Because if you played football at any level, you would know that the Dallas Cowboys are not a complete team and they have holes and they have inconsistencies. And that is why they can't win the Super Bowl because they have lack of discipline, they have bad coaching, and they have bad players that we overpay because our owner is our GM and our owner likes players that make money for advertisements and merchandise and for Tempur-Pedic bed commercials, okay? My quarterback likes laying in a Tempur-Pedic bed more than he does like throwing the ball because you know what? He won't get the roughing the passer there. And that is my issue. Dak Prescott is a bum. My owner is a bum. My offensive coordinator is a bum. And I have more money between my quarterback and my running back than my entire roster combined. And those two are the detriment to the team right now. And it's an embarrassment and it's a shame. Jerry Jones has been just... You know, he's been killing it, first of all. Let's be fair here. He has turned that franchise into the most profitable sports franchise in the world. Without winning. And that's accounting for the fact that most of the world doesn't even, like, watch our sport. You know, they watch soccer. Mm-hmm. You can say the same for yeah. Dolan with the Knicks. We suck, and he makes the Knicks the most, like, profitable team in the NBA. Makes without, no sense. Did you see him crying winning. at the end of the game? Jones I really do he think did. he cares. Like, I think no, he cares. Listen, Jerry I think cares. He's an emo- He's getting more emotional as the years go by. Listen, and, you got to remember, he's an old man. Every day that goes he's by, 80. he's like, how many times am I going to be the owner of this team? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he's not- crying because he saw my favorite stat graphic ever, that Blake Bortles made it to an AFC title game before the Cowboys made it back to an NFC title game. Yeah, well, let's put it like this: yeah, since you know, since since we won the Super Bowl um, in the in the last Super Bowl in the nineties, we've been to the division in divisional title twelve times, and we've lost twelve times. Huh. You know, how long is this going to happen? It's 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 upsetting. It really is. Like, I I know I I don't ever Seven really times. get upset. Yeah, I don't really ever get upset at a loss, and I this is hurt. This this loss hurt more than anything I could ever ever say. Like, I literally. Like I was watching the clock tick down. I said to myself, the window is gone. Usually you have a few year window. We had a one year window this year because we can't pay for everyone. I think you're being a little too doom and gloom here, Brian. I agree with Brian. I looked at the cap. We can't pay it for everyone. I, I think you don't Brian's need to pay right with the window. Half, is short. Our, def- half our defense is free agents this year. Especially with you, Desmond, being an Eagles fan, yes, us Giants, Cowboys, we have to realize you guys are going to be the, the Eagles are going to be the, the top of the NFC, probably. Yeah, or we're fighting for, for, the, for the next fighting, few years. Yeah, we're going to be fighting, fighting with you guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to get, you got to keep things in perspective. First of all, I don't want to wish this on any team, no matter what. But like, it's the NFL. How many times do you see teams just like turn it over year over year? I yeah. mean, you see injuries right. come into play. You see coaching changes come into play. You get the one or two rookies who are making trash on their contracts, but they just elevated teams. Sometimes you're just a position or two away. The Cowboys. Let's keep it real. First of all, that was the best defense I've seen them play mm-hmm. all year. They stepped yeah, up in the, big, stepped up the biggest moments. And I didn't think San Francisco's offense could be contained like that. They contained them. I mean, yep. 
if it wasn't for a couple of bad, you know, like turnovers by the Cowboys, I mean, I think 49ers would have were held to what? Like thir- would have been held to 13 points, 10 points? There's I mean, something like that, yeah. Ten they points, dominated 10 the points. line of scrimmage. Yeah. Dominated the line of scrimmage. Christian McCaffrey had a hard time even getting out of the backfield most of those plays. Brock Purdy didn't look comfortable a lot of time. I mean, there was a couple chunk plays, but not really. No, the Cowboys are missing a number two wide receiver who actually can play on offense. And yeah, Dak. No separation. Dak was making some inaccurate throws. I mean, there's no, there's no excuse. I mean, because some of those throws, he was clean in the pocket. There was nothing in his face. And the defender was like, was already there right in his line of vision. And he threw that pass anyway. I'm just like, bro, there's no excuse for that. (laughs) I mean, like there's no, no analyst can jump in here and tell you why that happened. That is just a terrible decision on his part. So, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, Dak needs a good sports psychologist. He needs someone to get in there and just work out the kinks with him because he is not seeing the field that well. But they're also, like we've been saying all year, they're not creating separation, man. They have CD Lamb and a bunch of dudes they picked up off the street. I mean, Noah Brown's not. T.Y. Hilton is a, just a little too old. Gallup right oh, underwhelmed. Gallup's underwhelming. Brown's underwhelming. Schultz is a mid tight end. I mean, and yeah, when you lose Pollard in the first half, I mean, Come on now. Your heart I mean, and the offense. Yeah, I, mean, I think the Cowboys actually weren't that. When when you look at the – if we're saying that the 49ers are like the best team in the league and the Cowboys put up that performance against them on the road, I don't know how you can be full doom and gloom here. I mean, it feels like you're just like a piece or two away. And, yeah, you want Dak's play to elevate, but you're also not like – you're not where the Giants are at. So, I mean, like, no offense, guys. Listen, no, I'm, I agree. I'm doom and gloom for this reason. Like, I know my owner because he's my owner. We He battled multiple times, took three visits to sign our best safety in Javon Curse to a two-year deal, which is a one-year deal with a team option. He, he struggled to pay the man who had 110 tackles last year and is the anchor of the defense because he's a cheap fuck and he'd rather play, pay the guy that's going to make him the advertising money mm-hmm. and feed Zeke, who really shouldn't even be in the NFL after the shit he does off the field. And mm-hmm. Dak Prescott, who got paid to be a top five quarterback when he has more metal in his ankle than bone. And, you know, this is the frustration here. I'm tied to Dak. I'm tied to Zeke. I now have no tight end because Schultz is going to walk. You know, my number two receiver, Michael Gallup's off the ACL, so hopefully he does well next season. But what do I have? My offensive line is old. My defense, half of them are free agents, and they're going to walk because Jerry's not going to pay them. I have a kicking problem. It's doom and gloom because everyone's getting better in my division but my team, because guess what? This is the Cowboy standard, 12 wins. How many Cowboy 12-win seasons have there been in the last 20 years? Honestly, I would say 8 to 10. 8 to 10. Quite a few. You know what I mean? So the standard is this. So, you know, it's doom and gloom because there is no middle ground for us. The days of being 8 and 8 and, you know, 9 and 7 in the NFL are over. It's either your 12 wins or your 5 wins. There's a staunch difference. There is no more mediocre teams anymore. This year, we saw a few just because of the way schedules rolled out. But next year, Dallas' schedule, we have a very – we have to play the AFC East. 
Yeah, you know, to I mean, yeah. Ryan, I think you need a sports psychologist too. Yeah, man. And, you gotta, and I'm gonna you find I gotta find somebody named Ryan who is the anti you who listen, I'm the, just realistic at the end of the day, and it just comes down to Dallas out Dallas out Dallas is itself every time. And that's that they think that they're better than what they are. And they like, you know, they look at their limitations. Jerry Jones banked on Anthony Brown, who's a mediocre cornerback to be a top to be a cornerback to this season and he blew out his Achilles and then our nickel cornerback that's supposedly God and Jordan Lewis blows out his uh, something in his leg as well and then we have no one outside of Trayvon Diggs who is suspect and you expect the secondary to be good against receivers you know it's you I'm know, just all saying man teams... I think you might be overthinking it a little bit all I'm saying is if you took the Cowboys roster and you put it up against the 49ers roster I think we can agree I mean, the 49ers have a much better roster, and you played them within one score on the road in the playoffs. I, I think you might be kind of just, you know, blowing up the house a little bit too quick. No, listen, here. no, listen. I agree. I agree. But, like, with this franchise, you have to expect perfection, and I have to expect confident play from that's the offense. That's what I was talking about that's earlier. It's these bad mindsets. You can't be expecting perfection all the time. You see, that's what that's that trap you fall into. It's that trap. <laughs> yeah, that's, like everyone that's else. That's Stephen A. Trap. Yeah, but look at you. Yes, yeah. the Eagles are the best. Eagles are the best team in my division. I have to be. You, we have to be perfect if we're gonna. If we're gonna play in a division that's consistently getting better, you can't miss a game. Like Christmas Eve game. So maybe I mean, Brian, you just turn into an evil Cowboys fan because being doom and gloom has led to just losses for you. Why don't you turn it up and say, "Fuck this! I want this team to be better," and then they'll and then I they'll do. Show up. I want them better. I want them ben, better. I want them that. to. You I want them to realize. You gotta get moving. <laughs> I want them. My God, I want them to realize this. It's like I'm I want talking them to, to a girl this. who's complaining about all problems, dude. It's gonna be okay. And I hate your. Team. No, it will. <laughs> no, it will. It will. Trust me, I know it will. I know it will. I'm aggravated, but I want them to realize that we could have been the number one or the number two seed this year if Dak Prescott didn't turn the ball over. That's a sad. That's a sad statement that I have to say. Dak Prescott, who's known to not turn the ball over his entire career, if he doesn't turn the ball over, we're the number one and number two seed. Yeah. If we if Dak Prescott doesn't turn the ball over, we're in the NFC title game. And listen, you could say whatever you want. I love a matchup against the Eagles because you know what? That would be amazing. We love playing them. Well, it's, it's not going to happen. Game. It's not going to yeah. happen. It's, well, All right, listen. You're making Alex feel bad this. here. He's a Raiders fan. He's like over. He's like, you're in the playoffs. <laughs> no he's all looking at us like, you guys, what the hell's wrong with you people? I, That's what I'd he's doing not be in the playoffs than lose like that in the division already. Yeah, no one it believes is, that. Yeah, it is very I'm, entertaining. I'm, it is very entertaining just sitting back and enjoying watching from the outside looking in. It is fun. <laughs> Yeah, Alex is like, I've been miserable since week four of the season. You guys are all in the postseason. What the hell is going on over here? At least expectations were heightened. They were limited. Since, since Devontae got booted in Kansas City, like, great. <laughs> yeah. so I, I have nothing else to give this conversation. Otherwise, other, other than being the willful recipient of Brian as my new therapist, you, uh, you could sit on my couch. <laughs> I would give you any time of day, whatever you want. Tell me how to get over this loss. <laughs> oh, it's gonna take. Yeah, a we got a whole off season yeah, for that. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's a whole <laughs> off season to go. He's gonna be mad about off season signings still. Oh, I'm I'm already watching the ticket. I'm just gonna get aggravated every single day. <laughs> every single day, I'm gonna get mad. You are an enigma in this, but 
We love you, Brian. We love you. Oh, thank Anyways, you. Love you all. Let's let's go on to greener pastures. All right. <laughs> the last is. the last thing I want to say about this past weekend was Demar Hamlin at the game or not, or was it a body double? He was there. It was literally the the new you know Newsweek actually entertained that Newsweek. I believe it. I hate. I hate how I, uh, I have my own reasons for believing that. I won't get into it. Newsweek. Everyone just clickbait titles these days, man. Yeah, that was the one. Was Newsweek entertained? Can't tell he's in there. Can't tell he's in there with all this. Legitimately, Newsweek's bad reporting led to three days of like some of the worst days I've had as a content creator. <laughs> Newsweek is the worst. Yeah, man. Remember when they when they were a magazine. Terrible. Should have stayed Horrendous. that way. You know who reads Newsweek? Dak Prescott reads Newsweek. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> let's look ahead to the future. Let's learn from our past and now take it to other greener pastures. Now let's focus on the conference championship games. The best damn Sunday of football next to Super Bowl Sunday and arguably the um, national championship, which is on a Monday. But anyways, conference championship Sunday, 2023 for the 2022 season starts this Sunday. And we have four teams where every single one of these franchises can win the whole damn thing. So let's break it down once and for all. 3 p.m. We have the NFC championship. The one and two seed going at it in the NFC. You cannot ask for anything better. We have the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are opening at minus two and a half. Brock Purdy, can he stay undefeated? Because it looks like he is going to get the start with a stellar defensive line with weapons that keep running all over the place, whether you're George Kittle, whether you're Debo Samuel, whether you're Brandon Ayuk, and so on and so forth. Or do we have the Eagles with the all-pro offensive line, the dangerous weapons, Jalen Hurts looking like the old MVP he was earlier in the season with a cocky stone bitch head coach versus a veteran Kyle Shanahan. This is so awesome on paper. This is going to be a lot of fun. So I am throwing it to the floor right here, right now, to Desmond. Your Philadelphia Eagles are a win away from their first Super Bowl in four seasons. You must be really, really excited. What do they have to do to defeat the San Francisco 49ers team? It's both kind of cool and terrifying to be in this position mm-hmm. um because on one hand you know the eagles have been good for a lot of my football life you know i mean since 2001 they've made it to seven nfc championship games which no other team in the nfc has been able to do yeah so i've seen a lot of these thank you and a lot of them have been losses so i mean on one hand it's like oh yeah we're good enough to get here all the time but on the other hand we we lose this game all the time uh so san francisco is the team i've been the most afraid of in the conference the whole year i think that they're just so dynamic on offense that it makes it hard for a defense to to keep up with them in any way shape or form 
on defense, their defensive line is so like just powerful and fast. You know, it just makes it really complicated to block them in any way, shape or form. I'm nervous about this game legitimately, but I, I think the one thing that made me feel good about this game was actually thinking that being a copycat league, it just sometimes it just takes one team to give you a blueprint to figure out how to replicate it. And I think mm-hmm. the Cowboys, yep. I think they damn near like yep. put the blueprint right on front street mm-hmm. because San Francisco was shook last week. I mean, they barely eked out that game. They had to rely on the Cowboys kind of beating themselves. And they were at home, so they had their home crowd behind them. So I, I think if the Eagles can somewhat replicate what Dallas did, uh, there's no guarantee they can. But if they can... I like our chances in this game. I really do, because I think that our offense is good enough to score two or three times on this San Francisco mm-hmm. defense. It's just going to be a question about whether or not our defense can show up and somewhat contain this 49ers offense. I think it legitimately starts with eliminating the big plays from George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk, to be honest with you. I think that they are overlooked because everyone's so focused on Debo Samuel and the versatility between him and Christian McCaffrey. They catch a lot of their passes either like at the line of scrimmage behind it or like a few, like five yards down the field. I think you got to be more aware of the gashing plays by IU and and Kittle in the middle of the field. Um, But yeah, I I think I'm going into this feeling 50, 50, you know, I think we're good enough to beat them. It'd be whether or not we can execute it. Uh, 49ers are a great team, but I think it's going to be a close game. You know, I'm obviously going to pick the Eagles to win here, you know, because I'm an <laughs> Eagles fan. So I don't, you know, no suspense here, but I think it's going to be more of a 21, 24, 21, 27 team type of a game. Nothing yeah. too crazy. Nothing too crazy here. Yeah. If you can stop George Kittle, that is the key to the game. And I said this before and I say it again, that clearly is Brock Purdy's favorite target. And he's been having a hell of a second half of the season after dealing with a couple of seasons where he was back and forth from the injured list. Like seriously, you got, if they can figure out how to stop him specifically, then um, the Eagles have a real good chance in this. Yeah, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think I have more confidence in the Eagles than the Eagles fan, and I'm a Cowboy fan. I think the Eagles are going to absolutely shellac the 49ers. I think Sirianni is a cerebral coach and a guru at offense, and he will overwhelm the 49ers offense um, and definitely put up more than 12 points than Dallas did. And I feel like, you know, like Desmond said, we gave them the the blueprint on defense um, to beat the 49ers. And if you think about it, your defense is a lot better than Dallas's. You have a better pass rush and you have a better secondary. You have a better pass rush than the 49ers, in my opinion. So you have a lot of strength that you could easily utilize and beat this team. And mentioning Debo Samuel, since everyone wanted to hate me for calling him mid last week, he's the fourth option on this offense. Um, I give more credit to CMC, Ayuk, and Kittle. And Kittle is the killer of uh, defenses with his offense. So if you could control Kittle, hopefully Gardner Johnson's back and he could cover him, um, maybe get some linebacker help. But then, you know, I think Bradbury and Slay will be able to control the outside. So I think I think you guys are going to win handily by at least a touchdown. I would say 10 points, honestly. I see like a I see like a 27 to 17 game. Wow, that's a big margin. I I kind of see it similarly, but um, I think it's really going to come down to, um, you know, wearing down and eroding the uh, the front four for San Francisco. I think that the the the, the prize pick for this uh, Eagles team is their ability to run. Um, and as long as, you know, 
you keep Jalen Hurts out of his own way in terms of getting through the air, I think Sirianni will deter him from doing so. And just, you know, just selectively in play action situations. But I think it's going to be a matter of, you know, not um, getting away from the run and just, you know, continuing to cram it down their throat, even if it means, you know, an early three and out or um, an, an early field goal, like not to be deterred by that, but to stick with the game plan because, um, you know, Shanahan, he tends to, tends to clam up in these types of situations. Um, I definitely thought that he got really gun shy in that home game against Dallas. Um, there was a lot of questionable calls on his, on his end of things. And I think that Sirianni can out coach him in this game, uh, particularly at home. I have really no, no concerns about that. Um, I think with Brock Purdy, you know, if you're the Philadelphia defense, I think you allow the game to come to you and um, just see what opens up and let him beat you because um, we haven't really seen a tough game away from the West Coast in about three months for this team. And this will be the first one. Um, so I think that's going to be really like the burden is going to be on Purdy to uh, try to beat you through the air and, and let him, you know, just trust your defense and continue to control the clock. Yeah, I agree with all you guys. I've never root for the Eagles. I'm sorry, Devin. But I think there is a clear blueprint. I think you need to watch that Cowboys game. Um, I think that's blueprint you need to watch. And I think that's what the Eagles need to do. I, I was talking to my coworker who's a big Eagles fan. And I was just saying, if the Eagles can do half of what the Cowboys did, if not more, and I think they have a better defense than the Cowboys, they'll be in a good standing. So um, I think it's going to be a close one. But it's going to really be a Eagles defense if they can just limit this 49ers offense. And like I said, the perfect way to do that is copy what the Cowboys did. Find every little thing, watch all every little angle of that film that they have from that game to pick up on anything that could be an advantage. Um, like Matt said, Kittle is Purdy's favorite target. Try to you know limit him as best you can. Um, I think it's going to be a battle. I don't think it's going to be a shootout. I'm with Desmond. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I, however just because I think the 49ers are just this team that are just destined to make it to the Super Bowl this year just feels like that. I think they're going to win a close one, 24-21 over the Eagles. But I think the key thing is the Eagles defense needs to show up and just pretty much follow the blueprint the Cowboys did, and they'll be in good standing against this 49ers team. Yeah, last thing I'm going to say before we go on the next game. I have faith in the Eagles offense. I think we're going to score, you know, at least like two, I say maybe like two or three touchdowns, but you know, it's, it's that Eagles defense. It, it, it worries me because the Eagles defense that went to Dallas on Christmas Eve got shellacked. They got embarrassed, you know, are we going to get that defensive performance? Or are we going to get the one that showed against the giants last week, you know, and there's no real way to know. So that's going to, that's my key to the game for, for the NFC championship, you know, Will the Eagles defense show up? I think our victory kind of hinges on that one thing. You are muted, Matt. Excuse me. Anticipation was real. So um, <laughs> as you were saying, too, can Brock Purdy against all these various defenses he's played with his ultimate test himself as a rookie quarterback, can he step up to the challenge? Well, as long as he's protected, why not? And this would be some story that Mr. Irrelevant leads the team to a Super Bowl. And because of that, and because I think of the great chemistry he has with his weapons, especially as I mentioned, Kittle and Christian McCaffrey is is lethal when he's on point. And um, all the other great weapons and receivers he has. There's no reason why they can't put up a fight. And, you just, and I would just feel that the Eagles... With the momentum beating on the Giants, having things work out for them, it wouldn't 
be a shock that this is just the wrong time to have a bad game and 49ers take advantage of that and defeat them on the road. Though so though I wouldn't be surprised that the Eagles would win. Um I'm going to go with the underdogs on this one and they're going to win a nail biter defensive battle. We'll go with 17 to 13 San Francisco on this one. So but I am really, really excited for that. It's going to be awesome. Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m. And the final game to discuss, 6.30, Sunday night, the AFC Championship. It is a rematch from last year's AFC Championship. The Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Bengals are going up against the Kansas City Chiefs, and the line keeps moving even though it's only been available for about 24 hours. I've seen some places have Kansas City as a one-point favorite. I've seen the spread even. I've seen the spread at one point for Cincinnati. So we're just going to go with a pick on this one. Even though the official spread at this very moment, recording on Monday night, is Eagle. Sorry, is Chiefs minus one. It's definitely a pick game either or. But... With after Joe Cool and this team, everything clicking at the right place at the right time, and they're going to Arrowhead, who they had, which they literally did last year, and now you also throw in the wrench where you don't know what Patrick Mahomes can do with his busted ankle. That's going to play a factor in this. And can the Bengals take advantage of it? In my head, yes. I think the Bengals are the team of destiny this time, and they're going to win this game and then defeat whoever wins the NFC championship and get their first Super Bowl ever. And Joe Burrow will show why he's one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the league. And I mean, if you can defeat Mahomes two years in a row in his home stadium, in the AFC championship, and if you win that Super Bowl, even though I don't want to touch the money yet on that, but I will throw it out there that if he has the same amount of Super Bowls as Mahomes has in the same amount of time he got that first Super Bowl as well, Joe Burrow has this opportunity to be the best quarterback in the National Football League. And I think this will be an ultimate test to prove that in this AFC Championship. And him and his weapons and the offensive line will who've had their struggles throughout I think they're going to have a good game against this pass rush in the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and he will make this story happen. So go Joe Burrow and the Bengals. That's what I think is going to happen. What do you guys think? Uh, I agree with you, Matt. Um, I think a lot of us were thinking that the Bills will roll through the Bengals just because of the offensive line woes uh, for the Bengals with the injuries, but they proved that they're still the best team in the AFC. I think they're going to prove it again this week. Uh, especially, you know, I talked earlier about Mahomes' injury. Um, not saying the Bengals are going to do anything to try to take advantage of that, but I think they're going to be aggressive early and make their presence felt. I think they're the best balanced team. I know Brian said it earlier. They're the best balanced team in the AFC. Uh, I just love Joe Burrow in uh, clutch moments. He's proven it every step of the way that he is one of the best quarterbacks in football. I think he's going to prove it again. And I think a lot of people are going to start putting him in the conversation of potentially the best quarterback in the AFC or Mahomes. So give me the Bengals this week. I think they're going to go through the Chiefs. Um, and yeah, I think Joe Cool is going to continue to be Joe Cool. Couldn't agree more with you, Alex. I'll expand on that more and just say I think that uh, the Bengals have a better defense than Kansas City, and I think with a limited Pat Mahomes, you have a quality pass rush in Cincinnati that will be able to take advantage of that. And I think that's going to 
If I was them, I would watch the Tampa Bay Chiefs Super Bowl and watch what Tampa's defense did to the Chiefs here um, and how to make uh, Pat Mahomes uncomfortable because he was uncomfortable and made risky throws, not hurt. Now, imagine him hurt under duress and he can't escape the pocket now if that uh, ankle sprain is uh, as bad as they say. If that's the case, they should be able to tee off on them. I expect two plus, two and a half plus sacks this game for the Bengals defense. I expect a complete shellacking um, by uh, Joe Cool and this offense and co on the Kansas City defense. So I'm going to take the Bengals by 10. All right. Um, You want to go next, Alex? Yeah, I'll be quick because um, I was riding high with Cincinnati all year and I thought they were the best team in the AFC, particularly after October. So I'm definitely going to roll with them um, in this game. I don't see anything you know different um, happening, frankly. Um, Kansas City's 0-3 historically against them in recent memory. And I think that um, Burrow is just – he's just super clutch, super poised in the pocket in these types of situations. And I have full faith that he's going to bring it home. And I think that um, when you look at – the breakdown of how he, you know, executes. I think that this game will come down to just a critical turnover. I think it's going to be a back and forth. It's going to be a high scoring, you know, relatively high scoring game, 27, 24, or something of that nature, uh, maybe even the 30. Uh, but I think it's going to come down to a critical point where there's going to be a turnover that um, changes the momentum of this game. And I just trust it in the hands of Joe Burrow. Okay. Um, I'm picking the Chiefs to win, but let me tell you why. Um, firstly, 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 um, my favorite quote ever from John Madden, which is that 90% of the game is half mental. (laughs) I just, I can't get over that math. Love that little giants movie. (laughs) Uh, Andy Reid is now going into his 10th championship game, five with the chiefs, five with the Eagles. He is three and six. So why has Andy Reid always struggled in these games? Because he is so pass dominant all the time. He he is obsessed with it. And it works great in the regular season and against inferior opponents. When you get up against great teams, it, it just, it makes you too predictable when you're not a balanced attack. Now, the best thing that could have happened to the chiefs is actually Patrick Mahomes is like injury. Because it forces them to be a more conservative offense. It forces them to hand the ball off more to who I think will be the ultimate X factor in this game, Isaiah Pacheco, who I believe has been the missing piece for them for the longest time. A guy who not only has an explosive running ability, but is willing to get in between the tackles, put his shoulder down and go right into a defender. I think that the Chiefs are going to force it getting the ball out quicker out of Mahomes' hands because he can't actually do his like crazy acrobatics in the backfield like he normally can. So he has to be more decisive. He has to get the ball out quicker. They have to run the ball more. And due to that fact, I think the Chiefs are going to be a better version of themselves, ironically, in this game. I think that the Chiefs are going to be able to keep Joe Burrow's offense off the field, and that will be the time of possession battle will be the reason why they're going to find a way to beat the Bengals this time. And lastly, on the psychology front, as the Bengals spent all week feeling disrespected about the NFL having this you know, neutral site game in Atlanta. They went up to Buffalo with a chip on their shoulder due to that fact. Now the Chiefs have the chip on their shoulder. Everyone's talking up Joe Burrow. Everyone's talking up the Bengals. They're rubbing it in the Chiefs' face saying you can't win with a hobbled Patrick Mahomes and the Bengals have beaten you three times in a row now. The Chiefs feel disrespected and they're going to win this game. 27-21 Chiefs. 
Awesome, awesome stuff, Desmond. I think one thing we can all agree on, at least for now, is this Burrow and Mahomes matchup is going to be a lot of fun. I'm not going to say we're going to see it from years from now because anything can happen. But for now, in the past couple of years, this is as good as it gets with quarterback matchups. And with that, if no one else has anything to add, I think uh, we can wrap it up. We have a great, great championship Sunday ahead. And I cannot wait to talk with you guys a week from now and break it all down and then look ahead towards the Super Bowl after that, a little preview of that, and then get more in depth uh, the week after. So just three games left, gentlemen. That's it. Crazy to think. Crazy. And uh, I'm going to enjoy this ride with you um, as we discuss it. And, of course, our audience and listeners will as well. So with that, Desmond Price, Alex Ranelli, Brian McKeon, Alex Young. Great work, gentlemen. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the conference championships. Remember, Sunday at 3 p.m. is the NFC Championship. 6.30 is the AFC Championship on Fox and CBS, respectfully. So I'll see you guys in a week. See you in a week. Have a good night, everyone. Good luck. Another great NFL postseason podcast is in the books. Great job, Alex, Desmond, Brian, and Alex. Great work as usual. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdCovoPod, or on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So this Sunday, check it out. Conference Championship Sunday, one of the best days of the year. Let's see what happens. NFC Championship Sunday afternoon, 3 p.m. on the Fox Network. And then 6.30 at night on CBS, we have the AFC Championship. Either one of these four teams have a legitimate shot to make it. Either one of these four teams can truly win the Super Bowl. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to recap all of it next Tuesday, and I promise, I absolutely guarantee that it will be quality content. You don't want to miss it. That's our next show next Tuesday, the 31st, and it's going to be a real special one as we recap the NFC and AFC championships. Then the week after that, we preview the Super Bowl and then we review the Super Bowl from there. And then we're going to start a whole new chapter. We're going to start a bunch of new podcasts. We're going to release a new series of in-studio podcasts that I recorded over the past few months. And we're going to get some new podcast guests along the way. And we're going to just continue 2023 coming out strong, providing great content online. And we had our best weekend by far in terms of real views across all our social media platforms. YouTube Shorts, we did great. TikTok, we did great. Facebook, we did great. Instagram, we did really well. Twitter, we could keep on practicing and trying to get some more views. We're going to keep grinding. We're going to continue to showcase all of our great content, show our amazing talent. And I just have to say thank you to Alex DeJesus, aka Doloren, for producing that content for us each and every single week. You are such a great partner in this and I know the fans and audience and listeners really appreciate you and you know how much I appreciate you. Go check out our stuff again on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube, whether that's Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at Pod, TikTok 
at Productive Conversations or check out our YouTube page. Type in Productive Conversations. So we'll see you next Tuesday. Enjoy the weekend. Stay warm out there. The winter will be over before you know it. And then we have a great spring ahead. Don't forget to check in on your friends and family. And don't forget to do well in this world. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. Thank you to Brian McKeon, Desmond Price, Alex Young, and Alex Renelio for contributing to the show. Thank you to Alex DeJesus for all you do producing our social media. And thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, for making this all possible. All right, I love you all. See you next week. Peace.